It's Hockey Hall of Fame induction time, and it made for an emotional weekend in Toronto, where Borja Salming returned as he continues his battle with ALS. And the Ottawa Senators and Vancouver Canucks are celebrating the induction of the Sedin Twins, Daniel Alfredson, and Roberto Luongo. We've got all that, plus the latest from around the NHL, all on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could join us today. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms. Big weekend in Toronto. And with us now, the host of Locked On Leafs, David Morasuti. David, uh, to me, maybe because I'm a little older, but the big story, uh, the emotional return of Borea Salming, who is uh, unfortunately dealing with ALS uh, or Lou Gehrig's disease. What was the emotion like in Toronto this weekend for Salming's return? Yeah, I, we didn't. I didn't know that Salming was going to be coming to Toronto until almost like the day before. We kind of heard that he was making the trip, and I guess that was kind of the plan, right? They didn't want to make a big public thing about it right away, and. You know, it made a lot of sense. You know, you have three, you know, probably top Swedish players going into the Hockey Hall of Fame and the Sedin Twins and Daniel Alfredson. So there's that reasoning to go. And then him being at the Leafs game. And I, it, that might have been one of the more emotional, you know, few days for this, like for this fan base in a really long time. I mean, maybe since like Johnny Bauer passed away, like that wasn't a very emotional time. But, like, it's hard to see somebody that's going through a battle like that. And I I think what got most people a lot was seeing Daryl Sittler, his teammate. Um, You know, these guys went to war with each other on the ice, and he's trying to help Salming raise his arm up. And and Sittler has been, as soon as he found out that Salming was uh, diagnosed with ALS, you know, he was doing whatever he could to help his teammate. Like, this... They're, they they have a really special bond. So that it was just such an emotional weekend. It's a tough thing. A lot of the players, you know, at least have their fair share of Swedish players who all grew up idolizing Borja Salming, right? You know, he is to Swedish players kind of like, you know, now now this generation is like Sidney Crosby. Like these are these this is a player that a lot of these guys grew up idolizing because he was a trailblazer. He's the one that led the Swedish movement to the NHL. And, you know, he had, he, he had some great moments in Toronto. Um, I think even his greatest impact was afterwards, you know, helping guys like uh, like Matt Sundin, kind of mentoring him to be the, you know, the next captain. You have, you know, even like the current guys, William Nylander, Rasmus Sandin, have all said they've, they got great memories with Boris Salming. So it was an emotional weekend for a lot of people in the organization and as also with the fan base. Yeah, I mean, Salming, one of the first two players to have a lengthy career in the NHL from Sweden when he came over in, in the early to mid-70s. And he, he and Ing Hammerstrom, who was the other player who came along with him, 
they they were challenged over and over again because uh, there was that reputation that Swedish players weren't physical enough and weren't tough enough, and and they went after them pretty frequently. They did right, and it was not easy to be, you know, an outsider in the NHL, right? And they played a style that. Let's be let's be frank. The you know that the NHL players at that time did not appreciate, right? They were they they were the East West type of uh, players, and at that point, the NHL was very much North South. They brought a different no. They 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 helped revolutionize the NHL a little bit there, and yeah, guys were taking liberties with them, and he'd say, but the the Swedish players weren't exactly getting the benefit of the doubt from the referees, and you know. They weren't being looked out for, but it made them better players because of it, right? And and you appreciate the struggle because they didn't let it change who they were. They it made them better in a lot of ways, and that's always something you hear about with Boreas Salmi, and it's why he is one of the greatest Leafs. You know, arguably the great greatest Leafs defenseman. There's arguments to say that he should be one of the greatest Leafs just because. He might not have won in Toronto, and sometimes that's a criteria. But he was such a special player for that Leafs team because of how he played. There was no one really like him on that team. He he's he's a name that's gonna his name is going to live with this uh, with many generations to come. No doubt, and he always handled himself with a lot of class as well on and off the ice. Let's talk about the current Leafs a little bit. Goaltending now, definitely an issue. Injuries mounting for this team. How are the Leafs handling that? And what do you see as the short-term and long-term future for Toronto in goal? Yeah, short-term, I mean, Eric Schalgren has put a a very valiant effort as the third-string goaltender. You know, now in the NHL, your third guy, a lot of teams say it doesn't really matter who our third stringer is. Hate to say it, but now in today's NHL, you need to have you need to have at least three, four guys capable of playing in the NHL. And the Leafs are Leafs have done that the last years. They kind of been burned by it. This uh, Shogren was uh, definitely more equipped for it this year than he was last year. It's not perfect, you know. Like in the game against Pittsburgh, he led in a goal that, frankly, he said he should have had, and a lot of people kind of agreed with that. Those are things you're going to have to live and die by in a lot of ways with your third string goaltender. But long term, this is something the Leafs are definitely going to have to think about because Matt Murray has had injury issues that date back to his time with Pittsburgh. You know, he's he we many thought he was close to coming back for the weekend, but ultimately decided he wasn't ready. So if he's ready, the concern becomes, can he stay healthy? And right now, you can't count on that. Samsonov, it was kind of a fluke play that led to the knee injury, but now that he has a knee injury, you have to wonder, is that something that's going to nag him the whole year? So there's going to be, I think there's going to be a real conversation here of whether the Leafs have to consider looking at options in net. And it's not something that the, the team wants to do because that's assets and that's, you know, they want to be able to focus on other parts of the roster and they don't want to have to worry about goaltending, but you know, both these players are with both these players sideline and unsure of when they're coming back. Kyle Dubas is going to have to have that uh, have that conversation at some point heading into the trade deadline a few months away from now. 
any names that you've heard rumored or is it too soon to really speculate? Oh, it really all depends on how big they want to swing. I somebody brought up the name Thatcher Demko and I'm like, I mean, Vancouver trades Thatcher Demko. That's like admitting you're going full out like rebuild. I just don't see that happening. Like problem is the goaltending market is so volatile. Like there's not many like no team is giving away a goaltender, really. You know, I, I brought up on our podcast James Reimer potentially as a, as a target because he's going to be a, a free agent. San Jose is not looking to win right now, and I don't think they're, they what they don't benefit from holding on to James Reimer. You know, especially they don't expect to compete this year. So that's a name I thought of just because also the salary isn't too outrageous. You likely will need San Jose would have to take a goaltender back in return potentially. Like, can they? Will they consider taking Matt Murray as a deal? And like, can they make that work? Like, you. It, there's a, there's too many variables snow because the Leafs also don't have the luxury of having cap space to add a third goaltender that's making two plus million dollars. Not many teams really do, but the Leafs definitely don't. And the other thing that a lot of people are wondering about Jake Muzzin's injury, he's out, but how long? Right. Right. If he's out for the rest of the season, that's about 5.6 million you can go out and spend. But if he comes back, that's $5.6 million you have to think about when he's coming back. So it's not easy for the least to say, okay, we can go out and get a goaltender because there's just too many variables right now to have to try to sort through. No question. <clears throat> David, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, you can go and find uh, the Locked On These podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from on YouTube. And you can follow me at D underscore Morisuti. Uh, and we'll hopefully with we'll Lisa uh, goaltending, uh, we'll get a clear picture going down, going forward. Hope so. David Morisuti, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Gil. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. If you've thought about securing your home with home security, but you've been putting it off, you'll want to listen up. Right now, Locked On NHL listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you don't want to miss it. Here's why I love it. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify that a threat is real so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off your new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/lockedonnhl. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Canucks, Justin Pooney. And Justin, big weekend for the Canucks, the yes. Sabine Twins, heading into the Hockey Hall of Fame. What is the legacy of these two? Twins who were drafted together, played together. Now they're going into the Hockey Hall of Fame together. Yeah, um, well, Gil, it's been rough on the ice, as you know we've all know. And I think that's kind of 
taken over uh, this weekend, unfortunately. Um, but I think, you know, when the ceremony happens and they officially do get inducted and all the, the bells and whistles like that, I think it'll be a great moment just to reflect and to realize that these two are the best players to ever wear a Vancouver Canucks jersey. Simple as that. There is no debate about it. There are no um, what-ifs and this or that. These two were the best players to ever put on a Vancouver Canucks jersey for their entire career uh, put together. They are the best Canucks of all time. Um, and I think just finally getting that, I think, justification or that validation from the rest of the hockey world that, hey, they are great. Because we all knew they were great. But, you know, throughout those years where, you know, they were dominating, winning MVPs and scoring titles, the rest of the NHL would always, you know, kind of poke fun at them, call them the Sedin sisters. And they took a lot of abuse, not only from fans, but other players as well. And as a Canucks fan growing up, you always want to see them get the respect that they deserve because if you ask anybody that played with them, you ask anybody that coached them, anybody that was around them, uh, those two were probably the – as great as they were on the ice, off the ice, they were even better people. And I think that, to me, will be the greatest legacy that they have. Sure, they won MVPs. They won scoring titles. They led the Canucks to the Stanley Cup Finals. Heights broke countless records, led this organization to heights they, that have never been before and they have never seen since. Um, but just the, the way that they impacted the community and really just wrapped their arms around the city and the province, the city of Vancouver and the province of British, the province of British Columbia, excuse me, um, is definitely a lasting legacy. Just you know, whether it's donated children's hospital, uh, spending time in the community, remaining in Vancouver after they retired. Um, it just, to me, is a true celebration that they are um, a, rep a great representation of what a Vancouver Canuck is. And uh, it'll be a special moment. I don't know how I'm going to react when I see it, but it's definitely going to be a special moment. What do you think their on-ice legacy is going to be? I mean, the, the chemistry these two guys had was just off the charts. Absolutely. You know, they played their whole careers together. And then, of course, Brian Burke, the infamous story about how he just made all those shrewd moves before the draft and then getting those two guys. Now, it wasn't all peaches and roses when they first came into the league. If You know, many Canucks fans will remember, it took them a good five, six years before they finally became those top-line players. Um, you know, there's questions of whether they were tough enough. You know, they, they, I think either D Daniel Henrik, one of them this weekend, said that, you know, there was a point in time early in their career where they thought they were just going to go back to Sweden and play, Right. Um, but again, the toughness, people always talk about the skill and the chemistry, right? And rightly so, right? We've never seen two twin brothers play on the same line for the entirety of their career, play together like that. It's never going to happen. It never happened and never probably will ever happen ever again. Uh, but their toughness, right? They were not perimeter players. They would go in the corners. Their cycle was stuff of legend, right? You know, having those extended, extended plays uh, in the, the opposition's end. Uh, became just a routine. And I think, to me, the skill and chemistry is one thing, but just their physical toughness and their grittiness on the ice and the ability to go to those dirty areas, uh, places where a lot of players don't want to go, those guys were willing to go to those dirty areas and rack up a whole lot of points uh, in doing so. Such And it was just... Sedinary is what we called it, right? And it was just magic. When they were at their peak, it was just magic seeing those two cycle the puck and just know where each other is at every moment uh, and just make plays that you've never seen before. So it was uh, definitely the chemistry, but also just their physical toughness and, and grittiness to go uh, into the dirty areas. 
turning our attention to this year's team, obviously defense and goaltending, a big concern. Mm-hmm. What do you see? Is there a way out? Is there a way for this team to get better? Can we bring Roberto Luongo back? <laughs> I mean, speaking yeah, we talked about the Sedins, Roberto Luongo, also another prominent, cannot go into the Hall of Fame. But um, Thatcher Demko has not looked good this year. And, uh, you know, Spencer Martin played last night in Toronto. Thatcher Demko played tonight in Boston. Again, another loss in Boston. Um, this was a guy where people were saying um, had Vesna potential at the beginning of the year. Right, I know I certainly felt that he had the skill set and the, the growth to do it, and he hasn't played well. The defense has been injured and depleted. Um, but just the, the lack of structure. We've heard Jim Rutherford talk about that ad nauseum uh, over the last couple of weeks, kind of just throwing Bruce Boudreau under the bus, basically saying that this team plays with zero structure, zero accountability, and quite frankly, I agree with him. You know, I saw them play live in person last night. I've watched every game. And this team, they don't seem to play together as a cohesive unit. They don't play with any structure. Their penalty kill is atrocious. While their power play is good, their penalty kill is the worst in the league. Um, There's guys they're relying on on their defense core that, quite frankly, should not even, you know, be in the NHL, right? And it's a mess that this management team has – you know, has to deal with, and they didn't deal with it in the offseason. Um, and now you're seeing it where, you know, this team, you know, they played well in that homestand. They've had a few losses, but, you know, this road trip has not gone as expected. Um, I thought they would lose to Toronto and probably Boston, but that loss to Montreal uh, was very disheartening. Um, and they're now in a point where, like they were last year, they have to just fight out of a deep hole, and I don't know what's going to happen. Based on what you said, quoting Jim Rutherford, how hot is Bruce Boudreaux's seat getting at this point? I think it's very hot, um, but I also think it's at a point where everybody just wants to know what's going to happen now, right? Are you going to keep him or are you going to fire him? Um, You know, he's come out and said, you know, basically, it's very well known that Jim Rutherford, that Jim Rutherford does not want Bruce Boudreaux to coach this team. Now, Bruce Boudreaux had it in his contract, an option, you know, and he exercised that right and, you know, came back to coach the team. And Jim Rutherford was kind of had his hands tied in that point where he couldn't do it. And the Canucks and ownership don't want to fire another coach because they're still paying Travis Green and they don't want to pay another coach. Right. So, and you got to factor that point into it. So it's hot, but I don't know if they're going to fire him uh, because of the economic reasons. Interesting. Something to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Justin, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Absolutely. So you can just go to Locked on Canucks on YouTube, type in where the first thing that pops up. We're also available wherever you get your podcast services. That is Locked on Canucks. Myself personally, you can find me at Twitter uh, at Justin Pooney, J-U-S-T-I-N-P-O-O-N-I with an underscore at the end. Uh, and then also follow our sh- our show's Twitter account, Locked On Canucks on Twitter. Uh, tomorrow's episode will be kind of fun because uh, a lot of stuff has transpired over the last 48 hours this weekend. And, of course, we have the Hall of Fame induction uh, of three of the best Canucks to ever play. So it will be special, but it will also be a bit of a, uh, a, a spicy take, too, uh, on Monday's episode. All right. Something to look forward to. Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Bet Online. 
BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those on BetOnline as well. We are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. NHL now in full swing. World Cup soccer just around the corner. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. It is my pleasure to welcome back a familiar face to Locked On NHL viewers and listeners. Ross Levitan, the co-host of Sens Central, Locked On Senators. And Ross, an emotional weekend here in Ottawa as Daniel Alfredson finally getting his due and being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, what what does this weekend mean for the Senators fans and for Alfredson? Oh, for, for the fans, it, it's their first real Hall of Famer, right? Last year, Marion Hossa was the first Senators draft pick. But of course, everyone remembers him with the Chicago Blackhawks. Dominic Asik had a cup of coffee, but... Daniel Alfredson played 17 seasons for the Ottawa Senators. If you if you want any sort of reminder of what Daniel Alfredson means to Ottawa, go check out some highlights from the 2012 NHL All-Star Game. It was his second last season in Ottawa, and it was a complete love-in with Alfie. The, the game itself, the festivities beforehand, and he, he is Ottawa. So it's great to see because there were a few years where um, he was a bit estranged. The way that he left wasn't ideal. He got into a spat with the ownership, and uh, it really kind of cost the the owner's last goodwill with the fan base. So everyone kind of took Alfie's side in that, and now um, the fences are mended. He kind of came out um, for training camp for a little bit, and then at the home opener, he dropped the ceremonial puck, and it was really like a, an official welcome back into being like, alongside all the other Senators alumni. So it's a it's going to be a super fun event. And as you said, finally, right? It's been four years that he was passed over. And uh, it's awesome he gets to go in with the view countrymen. Because I think when people, the haters, let's just call them Leaf fans, because we know Alfred <laughs> certainly didn't uh, endear himself to people in, in Toronto, uh, whether it was fake stick tossing after Sundin had been uh, fined about a week earlier for throwing his stick into the stands. Alfredson breaks his stick and like fake throws it. So he, he did that. There was a hit from three quarters from behind. We'll call it. We'll call it from the side uh, against Darcy Tucker in the 2002 playoffs there. He, he makes the hit. Tucker's lying on his back. And then uh, Alfredson goes in and scores the game winning goal uh, to, to win that one. So certainly uh, Leaf fans, a lot of people are saying like, oh, no Stanley Cup. Like, does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? And I think. Going in with Daniel and Henrik Sedin is just the cherry on top because those guys all represented Sweden together. They won a gold medal together. Daniel Alfredson was the the top scorer on Team Sweden at that Olympics. He played in five different Olympics as well. Every single Olympics that NHLers went to from Nagano all the way through till Sochi, he was a part of that team. So I think internationally his resume uh, did a, a lot of the work along with 400 goals, 1,100 points, playing as long as he did. He was the first European captain to lead his team to a Stanley Cup final, which I thought was a pretty cool stat. And then it happened 
quite a bit after when Lidstrom did it with the Red Wings next. And then Chara ultimately won the Stanley Cup as the first European captain in 2011. So he was a pioneer of sorts. Of course, there were Swedes before him and, and real good ones at that. But he, he certainly was, to us, a generational talent. And it almost became a crusade for Senators fans to get this long overdue honor across the finish line. Yeah, if you if you look back at every important moment in Sens history, Daniel Alfredson's front and center, whether it was the unlikely run to make the playoffs for the first time, whether it was his overtime goal that sent them to the Stanley Cup final for the first time in franchise history. He was always there for the biggest moments. And what we loved about him too, it's like, you know, he's the type of guy where yeah, the shot was unbelievable. Hit 40 goals multiple times in his career. Hit 100 points multiple times in his career. But he played like a fourth-line grinder. Like, he played like every shift was his last. It was the intensity. It was the leadership that he showed on the ice. It was really beyond just the goals and assists. And that's what he brought to, to the game. He really kind of set the bar for everyone else to try to exceed uh, what he has. Like it's He's one of those guys you hear sometimes. They come in once in a blue moon where – Anything he does, he's unbelievable at. Like, a fun story that um, I believe it was – I'm forgetting who told us the story. It was one of his former teammates joined us on, on Locked On Sends. We always ask whenever someone played with Alfie, we need we need a story. Like, this guy's a legend. And every year they do a ping pong tournament in the locker room. And Alfie would enter two teams, one left-handed and one right-handed. <laughs> and the final would be Alfredson against Alfredson uh, in the final. He's a scratch golfer, like – just whatever this guy did, he was always a lead at it and one of the best. So for him to get this honor, it really does kind of put a bow on his career. And he was the first number to be retired in Ottawa. All, all respect to Frank Finnegan. They retired a number right when they came back to pay homage to like <laughs> right. the 1910 Senators. But of course, he's, he's just Mr. Senator. And uh, it, I couldn't be more happy for him and uh, his family. And I, I really think this is kind of his entrance back into the public eye a little bit more. Like I said, he's been hanging around the team a little bit more, a little bit more. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in management in the next few years. Well, that that would certainly be an, a great addition for the Sens. How important was it for the Senators to end the losing streak and beat Philadelphia Saturday? Oh, so important. Like they, they had lost seven in a row and they got the loser point against New Jersey. You're like, okay, sure. But uh, when you have a player and – like like uh, Daniel Alfredson, he left as, and went to Detroit for his final year. I don't think it's quite the same, whether it's magnitude or situation with Claude Giroux. But that was his first time back in Philly as a member of the opposition. So certainly there was some money on the board. Guys wanted to get that for him. And what does he do? Contributes three assists himself. He looked unbelievable. He's got, he's over a point per game player this year. So I think to do it in Philly was super important. And uh, let's hope this gets some growl. And I know our two squads are playing on Monday night where there should be a little bit extra juice there too, for the senators where they're, they're starting the game. You asked me why it's like five 30 start on a Monday, no holiday. Well, they want everyone to stay in their seats and watch Alfredson's hall of fame induction afterwards. So it'll be a special night, even though Alfredson will be in Toronto, not at the game. I think it'll still be cool that they're putting on a bit of a show for that. How concerned are you about the, the goaltending and the defense for this team right now? Yeah, more so the defense. Like Cam Talbot just got back from injury. He was awesome against Philly, but he's yeah. still getting his feet wet. wasn't uh, wasn't himself uh, in his first start, but I, I thought he played better. Forsberg, uh, I really like what he brings to the table. He he probably would like to have a few back in his last outing, but all in all, this decor we knew coming into the season 
that's where the weakness was. And now they've added injury to insult. <laughs> Usually it's the other way around, but they were already being insulted. And now they have to deal with not only Artem Zub, who might be one of the more underrated defensive defensemen in the NHL, but Thomas Shabbat, their, their horseback there, third in the National Hockey League in average time on ice, suffered a concussion on that game on Saturday. Kind of a questionable hit. I, I don't think suspension worthy, but probably should have been a two-minute boarding. But uh, he's going to be out for at least a week. So right now, you're, you've got a top pair of Travis Hamanick, who they acquired for a third-round pick. And even at that price, people thought they overpaid last year at the deadline. And then Jake Sanderson, who's played all of 13 NHL games. However, that kid is wise beyond his years. He looks unreal, but it's going to be a lot to ask for him to be first power play unit, kill penalties. Like He's 20 years old, so we'll see how he can handle it. But I think that beyond that, they're certainly going to be lacking a bit of depth, at least until Thomas Shabbat comes back. Hell, even if both those guys are healthy, I still want them to add another one. So it's going to be uh, by committee for sure. And hopefully guys, like if people are listening to this and, they're looking for a fantasy pickup for the week. Maybe they're low on defensemen. Eric Branstrom's going to get a big opportunity here to take some of those offensive minutes, whether it's a second power play unit. Hey, he might even be put up there on the top unit so that Sanderson can focus more five on five. But I think he's a guy to watch for over the next little while. All right, some free fantasy advice from Ross Levitan. Ross, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, well, first things first, you can always find Mike DiStefano and I every Wednesday on Locked On NHL. And then uh, Pilsy and I do the Locked On Senators Monday through Friday. Lots of great guests coming up. And we're really, really excited because uh, Mark Mathot, former Sens defenseman, he played, I believe, two, uh, 620 NHL games, was partnered with Eric Carlson for a long time. He's joining us every week now. Uh, so that's it's awesome addition to the team. So uh, you can come get 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 a dose of meth into your weekend as we've been having them on every Friday. So we're going to do Alfie stories with them this week. And uh, no, it's it's all good at Send Central on Twitter. And then uh, obviously helps out on the YouTube as well. So lots going on for a team that hasn't really been able to string it together here early on in the season. But it's uh, the next couple weeks, let's say, is going to be crucial because you, you can't make the playoffs this early. But when you lose seven in a row, you can certainly put yourselves uh, behind the eight ball. And that's what the Senators have done. And now they, they got to crawl out of it in a tough division and uh, an even better conference. Like you, you've you probably seen this as well. How many times has the West beaten the East this year? It feels like every time there's an East versus West game, the East team comes out on top. Like the points for the, for the West, nobody's even close. Like to make, you're either like a second wildcard team in the West or you're in 10th, uh, 12th place in the East. It's crazy. <laughs> It is unbelievable, no question about it. But we'll see if that trend holds up over the course of 82 games. Ross, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Always my pleasure. want to thank everyone again for making Locked On NHL your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app and wherever you get podcasts. I want to thank my guests today on the show. I want to thank Dave Morsuti of Locked On Leafs, Ross Levitan of Locked On Senators, and Justin Pooney of Locked On Canucks for joining us. Don't forget we are here every Monday through Friday 
with the biggest stories from around the National Hockey League and the world of hockey. I'm Gil Martin. Have a great day. Stay safe. And thanks so much for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.